Hey there, everyone. It is Jeff from MCS Mag, and as much as we talk about societal collapse and worldwide pandemics and other cataclysmic events, the reality is that you're less likely to get your face chewed off by zombies than you are finding yourself in a scenario where you suddenly discover that you're stranded in the middle of nowhere and forced to use all of your survival knowledge just to be found safe and alive. And it's those skills that you're going to be finding here today in this week's broadcast. Check this out. bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. We've all heard stories of people who were lost in the middle of nowhere. Maybe it was from a hiking expedition gone bad, a plane crash in the middle of the wilderness, or maybe a hunter who wandered too far away from camp and now had no idea how to get back. Now, some of these people survive. Some people are found days later near death from dehydration and exposure to the elements. And some don't make it back at all. What about you? If you were suddenly stranded in the wilderness, in a desert, or by the side of a road in no man's land, what would you do? How would you prioritize what you need to do to survive? And how would you persevere in the face of hours or days spent with no resources except for what you could gather yourself? Well, that's what we're here to find out. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And my guest today is survival expert and author Kevin Estella. Kevin, welcome back to the program, man. Hey, thanks a lot, Jeff, for having me. Good to have you back. Now, listen, Kevin is the owner and head instructor of Estella Wilderness Education and a regular contributing author for various websites and magazines. He's also a guest speaker at various sportsman shows, speaking engagements, and webinars where he teaches bushcraft and survival skills. And he's even been featured on the History Channel as an on-air survival expert. On top of all of that, Kevin is also an accomplished martial artist with ranks in applied self-defense and Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and he's an instructor in Sayakali Filipino martial arts. He also has an extensive background in tactical firearms training, but it's his survival expertise that we're after today. To learn more about Kevin and his training, go visit him online at www.kevinestella.com. And that's K-E-V-I-N-E-S-T-E-L-A.com. Okay, Kevin, so let's go ahead and jump into this. I mean, first of all, I think... Most people don't plan to get stranded in the middle of nowhere and out there fighting for their life. It's usually the kind of scenario where you just kind of find yourself in it. And most likely people get there because they were thinking that nothing bad could happen to them anyway when they set out to do what they were going to do or wherever they were going to go. So from your experience, what are the most common scenarios that you've seen people find themselves in that should get people thinking about being better prepared for the unforeseen stranded scenario? You know, one of the first things I want to say, Jeff, is that, you know, people always say that it's so unlikely that you're going to get stranded, that you're going to be lost in the wilderness or you're not going to have anyone around you. But the reality is it's more likely than unlikely. You know, we could have the best plan in the world, but there are so many different variables that could, you know, throw a monkey wrench into our plan. 
you know, your car could break down, if you get stranded at an airport, uh, you could pretty much volunteer yourself to be stranded by performing something stupid, by pursuing uh, a summit when it's already, you know, close to, to the sun going down. Uh, it could be the result of civil unrest where you're stranded in a country um, because there's no way of getting home. So whenever someone says, oh, it couldn't happen, they're living in a fantasy world. Um, you know, we've all heard the stories of people that have gotten stranded in the winter because they didn't prepare ahead of time, you know, prepare their vehicle for snow travel, or they didn't watch the news ahead of time and know that, you know, there was going to be black ice on the roads, or, you know, they didn't realize uh, before they left that, you know, there was going to be uh, inclement weather. So we've heard stories about that. We've heard stories of people getting, you know, stuck in countries that were on the no travel list, but people had to go there anyway. So, I mean, you know, in SIOC, we always say there's no victims, there's only volunteers. Um, and, you know, that's, that is true. And then there are some times where, you know, we do get thrust into those situations. But if we don't prepare for them ahead of time, we basically do volunteer ourselves to become a victim. Um, so, you know, when someone says, oh, it couldn't happen to me, they're, they're living in that fantasy world. And, you know, the reality is it is a very realistic threat that we, we deal with on a daily basis. You bring up a really good point. I mean, especially right now, actually, because my son, my oldest son right now is in Colombia. Despite all of my warnings, <laughs> he's in Colombia right now. And I think people don't think about that. Like they, they pretty much are used to their familiar surroundings. But, you know, when you go travel, you're typically in a strange area. And if you're in an area like he's in where there might be jungle around or there could be civil unrest, there could be you know, drug trafficking gangs going, it, it could be anything. And all of a sudden, if you're wherever you're at in unfamiliar surroundings, you're stranded and you've got to find a way to either get to safety or signal to safety, or you could be cut off from getting back to your location and you might have to just be able to scavenge your way out of it. So so it's really interesting how there are, there are different scenarios. It's not just a matter of, you know, dropping out of the sky in a plane and being in the middle of you know, Alaska or something like that. It it really can be a lot of different scenarios. That's pretty interesting. You know, um, you also brought up like going out in the car and in and being in like a snowstorm or something like that. And I do remember a story about a family that was stranded. They were in a snowdrift. It was a severe winter storm. And I remember that the family stayed with the car and they were eventually rescued. But the father who left the vehicle to go out and get help He's the one that died from the storm. So this kind of brings up the point of, you know, it's not just the things that you you don't do, but it's also the things that you do that could get you in a lot of hot water as well. So let me ask you, what what are the biggest mistakes that you think people make when it comes to the actions that they take or they don't take in stranded survival scenarios? Like, what are those biggest mistakes? The biggest mistake right off the bat comes down to mindset. Uh, people panic. And, you know, it's been written in so many different survival books, manuals, and survival instructors have gotten on TV and talked about it. You know, the STOP protocol, stay put, think, observe, plan. You know, and we're not talking about the whole combative uh, mindset where, you know, you know, the OODA loop and, you know, observe, orient, decide, act. We're talking STOP because there's really no, uh, no need to, like, get off the X, so to speak. So people tend to panic. They don't realize what's right in front of them. They don't stay put like that, that family. The father was actually found... Uh, you know, he had wandered off. They found him pretty much, I believe, stripped down in his clothes. Um, you know, he lost his mind. Uh, the family, they burned their tires, which was a good decision. You know, they looked at their vehicle as more than a vehicle. In that moment, that vehicle transformed from a means of transportation to a shelter, and in this case, a means of signaling and warmth. Um, but they didn't wait it out long enough. Um, and, you know, the other thing is, is that, you know, 
the father, he got desperate. You know, he didn't realize, you know, what, you know, what could have happened, how long that storm could have lasted. Um, you know, he didn't plan ahead of time for that trip. I mean, I believe it was a, a, the mother and a son. I believe it was a young boy. Um, they stayed with the vehicle, and they had each other. Um, you know, one of the things people forget to do is you don't want to ever go at, a, at an emergency or a survival situation alone. You know, no one person's an island. No person's a tribe of one. And that father broke off from everyone else. And in teaching survival courses, you know, group dynamics, we've seen people become that lone wolf, and that lone wolf has screwed up because they haven't had other people to, you know, to, to serve as like a sounding board to see if they're still sane and still uh, coming up with, with sound ideas. Um, so I would say that the biggest mistake is for when people don't look at what they have in front of them and stop seeing it for what it was when it was not an emergency and what it has become now that it is an emergency. Um, that is definitely something that is a, is a major mistake. Um, and then the, the last thing, of course, is, you know, the willingness. You know, people don't want to rip into their car because they don't want to destroy a seat, which they feel like they could never replace. But in that seat, you might have foam, which could serve as insulation or a means to to, uh, to start a fire. Um, you know, so that willingness is not only to use what you have around you, but to, you know, to dig deep, you know, to, to have some guts, to have some balls, to, you know, to be able to, to stomach, you know, eating horrible things. Um, it's all about, you know, being willing to, to do what's really, really difficult. And that's what really separates the survivors from the from the victims. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting perspective. And they're also like of of being creative with your surroundings and looking at things differently. Um, I'm sure there a bunch of people have probably been found or you know, where they, where they had resources on them that they just didn't look at the right way, and they could have. So that's awesome. Yeah, and and to add to that, you know, one of the other things is is that you know people they always want to wait for someone to help them. You know, we we see it more and more. You're, like you just mentioned, your son. You know, the next generation is becoming like the entitlement generation. They're always waiting for someone to ask. You know, and a lot of my instructors always say, you know, if not you, who? You know, if you're not going to act, who's going to come and get you? You are your you are your best chance of survival. So you know, we don't want to have someone wait. We want someone to start thinking, start that process right away. Where you know the snow hasn't piled up two feet. Start clearing off the car if you have to. Start doing what you can to improve your survival right away instead of waiting for someone to do it for you. Yeah, the other thing I think I would add to this, because I, I just got I just got handed this book from a friend of mine. I live in, in South Texas, and, and we go to Big Bend National Park uh, quite a bit. It's not too far down the road. It's a beautiful, beautiful park, but there have been quite a few deaths there, and most of them are from people that, that got stranded in the middle of nowhere, or like you said, they, they hike up to a certain point, and then they either get stuck there, they can't make it back down from where they were climbing rocks, or it got too late in the evening and they had to stay overnight and up in the high desert, uh, even south, south Texas, like on the Mexican border, it can get really, really cold at night. And so now they're looking at hypothermia. And so all of these scenarios, um, you know, a lot of times what happens is people didn't know where they were, like there's search parties out there looking for them. So the other thing I think I would add to that, what I've seen and what I've tried to teach my son when he was really young was, um, one, make sure that, you know, people people go out and I think a big mistake they make is they don't let other people know where they're going to be. And so nobody really knows you're missing or nobody knows where to start looking for you and the, and the clock is ticking. And the other thing, like I've always told my son, especially when he was in scouts, like if you if you out someplace with other people, and you find yourself lost, I think what a lot of people do also is they just start like trying to find their way and which ultimately is just wandering around in the middle of nowhere, which could be just moving further and further away from where 
other people are, and if they knew the direction at least where you went, then they could at least send a party after you. Like you would be closer to where they could find you rather than taking all sorts of angles out there. So I think that's probably a common thing where people think, oh my God, I'm lost. Let me find my way. I think it's over here. Yeah, and just keep walking. Absolutely. Perfect analysis. Yeah. Okay, we've been talking with Kevin Estella of KevinEstella.com about how to master the skills necessary to survive and get to safety in a stranded scenario in the middle of nowhere. We've got a lot more to get up into, including everyday carry, survival gear, gadgets, and gizmos that could save your life when you're lost and looking for a way out. Your first most critical actions that you should take as soon as you realize you're in unrecognizable surroundings and how to develop the skills you need now to be prepared for any scenario where you're alone and without supplies. All that more coming right up, but first, check out this special message. In any disaster, crisis, or attack, your life and the life of those you love could solely rest on the survival gear you've acquired. Do you have the proper gear to protect you from the threats you'll face? Whether it's preparing your home against the destruction and mayhem of a city in chaos, or you're bugging out to a safer location when a natural disaster forces you from your home, the supplies you have right now could ensure your survival or seal your fate. Don't take the risk. Claim your free copy of our exclusive guide, Survival Gear Secrets, at survivalgearsecrets.com and discover the seven-phase survival gear plan every family must prepare for or face the consequences. Five no-bullshit warning signs that a collapse is headed your way, so you're already in action long before your neighbors even know what hit them. And how to know exactly when it's safer to stay at home and shelter in place. Or get in the family bug-out mobile and get the hell out of Dodge. Your fellow citizens may be fine with sleeping in a crowded stadium waiting for FEMA to hand them a granola bar, juice box, and a blankie. But you know that no one can protect your family better than you can. If you're properly prepared with the right supplies and equipment to ensure your survival. Don't wait until it's too late. Find out what's missing from your survival gear plan by grabbing your free copy of Survival Gear Secrets now at www.survivalgearsecrets.com. And now, back to our show. Okay, we're back with Kevin Estella of KevinEstella.com, talking about how to survive and safely get back to civilization when stranded in the middle of nowhere. We have a lot more to get into, so let's go ahead and jump right back in. Now, Kevin, before we get into the best actions to take to survive a stranded scenario, for those of us like me who are gear monkeys, what would you say are like the top most critical pieces of equipment that you should be carrying, either like in your vehicle or on your person, so that you are prepared for any sort of like an you know an impromptu stranded scenario? Um, one of the first mistakes and one of the things that people don't leave the house with is proper clothing. Um, I'm always always blown away when I see uh, you know young kids running to the door um, you know of a school wearing, you know, a T-shirt in the middle of winter because they're like, oh, well, I only have to walk 100 feet from the car to the building. So, you know, first and foremost, I think people should leave their homes with clothing that they're prepared to spend the night out in. Um, you know, it's really easy to spend a night out if you're well-dressed. Um, it's a little bit more difficult, and it requires some understanding of natural materials and insulation and, and how to stay warm uh, if, you, if you neglect to do that. Um, I think another thing that people should do is they should carry some type of pack with them uh, that can serve as some type of insulative pad to sit on. Um, if they have a vehicle, you know, carry a full-length uh, sleeping pad in there, maybe two, and that way you can insulate the car seat, which, you know, has metal pieces that conduct a lot of cold, make you cold, 
Uh, and let's assume that you have no firewood or any ability to make a fire outside the car, um, you know, and you have to spend the night inside, you want to be able to insulate yourself from all the cold parts around that car. Um, of course, you know, I never leave home without a water bottle, and if it's in the city, I tend to carry a, an insulated thermos, um, you know, but I always I always carry a canteen, and, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of a, a gear junkie myself, and, you know, I've got the coolest... Uh, Titanium can cover that's every day that that sucker's with me. It's in my car. It's not far from reach. And uh, you know, people think I'm crazy for you know carrying on this canteen that's all grimy and dirty and whatnot. But it's got a lot of character. Uh, but it doesn't <laughs> matter if you carry that thing or you carry a, a cheap water bottle. I mean, make make sure you have some means of of staying hydrated because you know you start losing your ability to uh, to to think once you get dehydrated. You get you know, headaches and whatnot. Um, you know, after that, you probably want to carry something that allows you to communicate, and whether that's a cell phone, uh, you know, whether you uh, carry, you know, a cell phone daily, but in your car you can carry a battery charger. Um, there's some great chargers out there, and, you know, if we're continuing with the gear theme, um, you know, there, there's companies like Sunjack, there's companies like Dark Energy, really, really good companies out there that let you keep communicating if you were to be stranded. You know, uh, if you think about it, we're probably sending text messages, which really don't take a lot of battery power, but if your phone is constantly searching for a network, the battery is going to drain. So you want to have a means of charging your uh, your phone, your technology, even if you don't have a charge in your car. So a, a simple battery pack is good. Um, one of the things my, my one of my mentors from the Wilderness Learning Center taught me was in your car you should always have a tent pole that you attach a flag to, which if you're driving through, you know, snowy areas, you can erect that tent pole out of your window, and that flag is now going to now going to stand like 10 or 15 feet above your car, and it lets you assume that your car gets snowed in or you're down in a ditch in a whiteout condition uh, or close to whiteout. People won't see your car, but maybe they'll see that flag just sticking out. And according to my mentor, uh, more than one person that he has taught uh, has actually been rescued by that. But, I mean, again, depending on where you are, where your, uh, your situation will dictate what you carry. Um, and like I said, it's gonna it's gonna vary from person to person. You know, I'm not about saying this is the only way. I want you to find one of many ways, the right way for you to to survive with with what you leave the house with. Yeah, yeah. Just to add to like you're saying, like being able to start a fire outside the vehicle if you you know to stay warm or a signal fire, anything like that. Having some meat. Like I'm not a smoker, but I always carry this little. It's a butane like survival lighter on me that's got a little ferro rod in it and it, it like it it's just got a little bit of butane in it but it's got like 15,000 you know strikes to it it works really really well to start a fire or anything like that if you if you need to or or you know create signals for help or whatever so yeah and i'm sure i'm sure the listeners can definitely relate to you know uh carrying a lighter and not being a smoker i know i do the same thing i always say uh, carry a lighter and a Swiss Army knife, and you're you know better prepared than uh, yeah. the majority of the population. And when people look at me like, "Why do you have a lighter?" I just look back and I shoot them that that disgusted <laughs> look in my face, like, "You really don't know, do you?" <laughs> and I'm, I'm it's not wor- it's that. not worth trying to convince at that point. Yeah, yeah you yeah. have to explain it; they'll never know. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So so let's go ahead and go into a scenario here. So I've I've suddenly found myself stranded in the middle of nowhere, and let's let's assume like I was out hunting. And I was able to shoot a deer and I'm tracking it down. It wasn't a good hit because I'm a horrible shot. I'm tracking this thing forever. And then suddenly I realize that I've strayed way too far out and I have no idea where I am now. So what specific action should I take? As soon as I get that, oh, shit moment in my head, like I have no freaking clue where I am. 
Um, and assuming it's not like, you know, I don't, I can't just follow my tracks, be back with only go, what, what's the best actions for me to take to give myself a fighting chance here? So assuming that you're hunting, assuming that you, uh, you have been tracking a deer and, you know, you've been fixated on the track, the blood trail, uh, and assuming that, you know, the, the day is getting a little bit shorter, um, what I'd recommend is definitely, definitely sizing up that situation, seeing what you have on you. Um, hopefully you were prepared ahead of time and, you know, in your hunting pack, you've carried a few things to, to get you through the night. Um, also mentally prepare yourself for that inevitability that you may not be out of the woods that night. Um, give yourself a fresh set of eyes in the morning, but consider that night out a, a reset. Tell yourself, hey, I'm just going to go camping for the night. I'm going to get away from the wife and the kids or, or from work or whatever. I mean, they'll eventually forgive you. Uh, people have a tendency to get lost or more lost in this case, uh, injured. Uh, they have a tendency to, to put themselves in a worse situation because they're always afraid of shame or they're afraid of, uh, you know, the consequences of, you know, being ridiculed for, for being a woodsman or a self-proclaimed expert in the outdoors. And, oh, even those people, you know, get lost. Uh, so I think one of the first things to do is prepare yourself, mentally prepare yourself for what's going to happen and be realistic with that. Um, once you understand that that's a possibility, then when it, if it becomes that possibility, then you're ready for it. But I would also go back to the point of last known, um, you know, your, your last known point, where you, you definitely knew where you were, you recognized it from before. Um, I would start looking to see, you know, large, I, I always look at large, uh, uh, you know, waypoints. I look at large features on the, on the horizon as my, um, as a way of like, getting an idea of where I am, orienting myself to the landscape. And then from the large features, I work my way back down to the smaller ones, like creeks and, you know, that might serve as like a handrail for navigation or whatever. Um, but, you know, I think the most important thing is to stay calm. You know, realize, hey, this is what's going to happen. I'm spending a night out in the woods. No big deal. I've done it before. And, you know, just enjoy where you are in the moment. Don't panic. And realize when you wake up in the morning, you'll have fresh uh, perspective and, uh you know, more daylight to figure out your time. Don't rush. Uh, you'll have plenty of time in the morning. Yeah, and I think if you if you if we go back and we kind of cancel out some of those mistakes that we talked about before, like not letting people know where you are and things like that, um, you bring you bring up a really good point because I think when people find that they're lost, they they do go into that. Well, let me find my way mode. And they can waste valuable time in putting together the resources they need to have a comfortable night in the wilderness, you know, with a fire, with shelter, it's raining, but now you're dry. Like rather than I wasted all my time, now it's dark. Now I'm trying to put everything together. Now everything's wet and um, you you can waste valuable time. I think you're, you're right. I mean, just being creative with your surroundings, knowing the, the things that you have and just realizing that, you know, having that confidence in yourself and your skills and that people people know where you are so they can come find you and like you said they'll forgive you i think that that solves a lot of problems right there but how so let's talk about the skills so how do how do we drill this kind of thing like how can we train for a stranded scenario without like blindfold like i i know if i ask my wife to blindfold me and stick me out in the middle of big bend there are times where she will jump on that opportunity but obviously it's not going to be the best way to train for this. So, so how, what are some ways that people can train for this now for that unexpected type of a survival scenario? In order to train for, for that unexpected survival scenario, you really have to start uh, embracing the suck. You got to realize that it's not going to be a comfortable night out like your, you know, your California king size bed with the, the fluffy down comforter and all that nice stuff. Um, you're not going to be able to, 
you know, have a, you know, maybe like a warm body to cuddle up next to in the middle of the night, whether that's your dog or your wife or your husband or, hell, who knows, both. Um, you know, it's going to be one of these things where you have to start realizing, i gotta, I got to embrace it a little bit and i got to learn to be tough. You know, and I think that we've become very weak as a society. Um, I think we need to learn how far we can push ourselves and what we can, what we can tolerate, what we can fight through. Um, sometimes, you know, sleep with the window open without any covers on your bed. Get used to having the comfort underneath you, but not necessarily above you. Uh, sleep on the ground. Uh, sleep, uh, you know, with wet socks. Learn to feel what it feels like in a somewhat controlled environment in your home, and then up the ante a little bit. Next time you go camping, if it's car camping with the family, take it up a notch. Uh, try sleeping instead of on, uh, you know, a full-length camping pad, like I mentioned before. Take just your backpack and keep your core comfortable as you, uh, you know, provide natural insulation with evergreen boughs or a trash bag filled with, with leaves. So you've got to slowly, slowly learn just what you can take and what you can tolerate. Mm -hmm. And when that scenario comes up, I mean, you're going to look at it and you might say, I've done this before, no big deal. Um, But people, like I said, they panic. And a lot of that panic is brought on by what's uncomfortable. Um, People like having the ability to to see at night when they turn on a light. And how many people do you know that don't leave the house with a a flashlight? Um, If you carry a handgun or, in this case, a rifle without a flashlight, you're about as half as effective as someone who does yeah. um, because not all shots are going to be taken uh, during the daytime. So we, we get freaked out by what we, what we can't control. We can't control how warm it is in the woods. We can't control uh, how bright it is in the woods. But we can carry some gear on us that, that kind of mitigates those. We can build fires to make ourselves warm even though the environment isn't. We can carry a flashlight. We can uh, you know, have that canteen and, and uh, purify water and get warm liquids in us to, to keep us warm. Um, but what we have to do is we have to slowly start realizing what it's like to be less comfortable. So when that opportunity does come up or that circumstance does come up, you just say to yourself, man, I've done this before. It's no big deal. Um, it's a walk in the park. you know. And if you really push yourself, maybe your emergency night out in the woods is actually not as bad as how far you have pushed yourself. And in that case, yeah, you're going to survive the night. Yeah. Oh, really good points. I mean, uh, and and especially even for you know survivalists who who have a lot of gear but never really test it out, right? Like I like I've learned the hard way just from testing stuff out. Um, now when I go, I don't even bring a sleeping bag. I just bring my Tac Bivy. It's a you know a Mylar sleeping bag, and the first night I spent in that. I swept my ass off and I was like basically swimming inside of this mylar. So then I started adding in like, okay, well, if I put in this, um, this cloth inner bag, well, now I'm still warm and, but it soaks up some of the moisture and everything. So I'm able to stay drier as well as, as warm at the same time. But the time to figure that out is before these types of events. And so, especially even for the people that pack up their, their bug out bags or whatever, like all that stuff can just kind of sit there, and then when you go to use it, maybe you're not using it more efficiently as as you could be, or you don't even know how to use it in some cases. So, so um, just getting out there and just like you said, putting it to the test and just up and down. Really, really, um, <laughs> it's very truer words have never been spoken. Just we've gotten so kind of lazy in life, and everything's so comfy, cozy that um and and face it when you're in this type of a scenario you need your wits about you so if you're really uncomfortable even mentally it makes it harder to make those sound decisions that are going to help you survive so um yeah embrace the suck i love it cool 
Well, awesome, Kevin. This is uh, great information. I really appreciate you uh, taking some time for us today. This is great. And listen, everybody, um, listen, go out and check any, pretty much any of the survival magazines are out there. You're going to find Kevin's articles like plastered in there. He's got a lot of great training uh, going on, and he's taking even actually doing in-person training. For, if you want to go ahead and check out any of his training, uh, like in-person training, live training that he's doing, he's got his schedule on his on his website as well. So make sure you go over and check it out at www.kevinestella.com, and that's K-E-V-I-N-E-S-T-E-L-A. Because Kevin couldn't be Smith, right? <laughs> couldn't be Kevin Smith? <laughs> no. But uh, go check it out. There's a lot of great stuff over there. And until our next Modern Combat World broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.